Hello and welcome to the show. Today I'm joined by my co-host Colleen, and we hey. are delighted. We are delighted to welcome <clears throat> uh, Mike Hogue to the show. Mike, welcome. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for coming. And uh, Mike, would you like to give your sixty-second elevator pitch? Just a quick introduction. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm a guy who kind of grew up uh, in uh, a traditional kind of homesteading back to the land movement family, did the, you know, did the farming thing, figured out that it wasn't working well for anybody. All the farmers around me weren't making money doing it. And as we know, the food system is like the number one driver of climate change, number one driver of mass extinctions, ocean dead zones, plastics pollution these days. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, so as we say in permaculture, the problem is the solution. It means there's a real opportunity to get involved in fixing these things. The problem is I had no idea how to do that until I really discovered permaculture, which provided me with this, a whole different set of tools uh, for how we can think about it and get involved in ways that actually work for us and work for the planet. Um, and you know, the big question was, does it actually work? <laughs> well, now I've been involved in, in the movement for about 20 years. I can say, uh, yeah, when we do it, it, it really does work. And people are figuring out amazing livelihoods for themselves doing this permaculture thing and creating places and food systems that are great for the planet and great for people. So uh, it's something I've just become very passionate about. And I'm happy that I get to spend my time in this life working on something that really, I think, is important, makes a difference to people on the planet. That's great. Uh, a perfect guest for the show then, because uh, basically the show was born when born of the fact that right, you graduate from a, a PDC and then what do you do? So what are the options? So we all want to work on permaculture. So is that a, as a designer, market garden, whatever it is? So I think you're a very good. You you're a great match for the show. <laughs> if we could just don't know what was in your brain and get it out in an hour, that'd be great. <laughs> uh so let's can we take it right back to the start and when you discovered permaculture, right? That you even heard the term or started getting involved in even in the gardening, or how did you get in, involved in it in the first place? Yeah, like I said, I was already kind of uh, kind of doing the 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 lifestyle thing, and from what I could see, like I said, the the farming thing, everybody around me in a farming community in the U.S. Uh, was saying, "Don't get into it. Don't do it. It's just you know, it's it, economically it, it won't work for you." Um, so I I worked. I still kind of worked in the industry. I took some industry jobs. Like uh, uh, I even worked at a commodities exchange a little bit. I worked selling uh, uh, work for a farm credit agency, managed farmers markets and stuff like that. Uh, so I kind of was working around it. I worked as an environmentalist. Um, I, I took jobs doing uh, sustainable landscaping, uh, just, you know, as as an employee working for some companies, trying to figure out my place in it, trying to figure out my place in the movement. And uh, so that's kind of what I was doing uh, when 911 uh, happened, the, the U.S., the attack on the, the World Trade Center. And uh, and uh, it was actually after that. And for me, the big thing there was uh, on the eve of that, 70% of Americans were against that war. And then uh, and then the war started anyway. It was actually like 72%. The war started anyway. And it was to me, it was just this thing where I felt really powerless. 
because I was protesting that. Everybody was protesting that. It was very passionate. Nobody wanted it to happen. And all of our activism, everything we were doing, it happened anyway. And so I just really felt uh, thrown into this crisis of how can I have an impact that's positive in this world? What can I do? None of the stuff I was working on seemed to be working. And I heard the word permaculture on a community radio show. And so, you know, maybe somebody else is going to hear this and, and, and catch that same message. And the message is just what, what we were talking about there, that, that the problem is the solution and that if the system is broken, we can directly fix the system. And seeing that like the food system is a huge driver of all these problems I was complaining about. And of course, housing and clothing, all these things go together. These systems are really uh, destroying the planet and harming people. And the promise of permaculture was that we can, instead of fighting those things, like they're this invisible enemy, we can understand that these are results of the systems. And if we change the systems, we changed the results. And it was just, wow, that's what I want to do. So we had a, a, a really active permaculture community in central Illinois, where I was living at the time. And I started getting involved and going to, to going to see projects and learn about things. And, uh, and I've been, I've been doing that ever since. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're, I, uh... You start educating yourself, start saying, right, how can I get involved? What are the solutions out there? And uh, have you formal training in, in permaculture? As, uh, have you, uh, what, what, what did that, when did you decide to get that formal training then? Yeah, at, at that time, you know, there weren't really any major online classes that I knew of. Um, so that was, you know, 2001 was when I started getting into it. And, um, the first time that there was a PDC anywhere close to me uh, that I could get involved in was with Midwest Permaculture. Um, I think like 2007 or eight or nine, uh, sometime in there. And, uh, and so that, that was my first uh, kind of formal training there. Um, and then uh, later when Jeff Lawton did his first online PDC, um, I, you know, I just obviously he's he's a huge figure in the movement and uh, a huge inspiration, and uh, and it's a kind of a different tradition of permaculture here in the United States. A lot of the the movement focuses more in on um, like the Holmgren tools and the Holmgren principles and all of that. And Jeff still basically teaches the PDC the way Molson himself taught it. You know, you can see those videos where he was teaching alongside of Bill Molson, permaculture's founder, for people who don't know who are watching this. And uh, and Jeff still like gives that PDC. And I just you know I wanted to 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 be involved in that, so I did that one later too. So uh, that's that's the those are my main uh, like PDC uh, uh, trainings. So you don't you done Jeff's online one? Oh, what's that? Did you say you did Jeff's online one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh because uh, we posted it in 2019. <laughs> 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 We're graduates of that as well. Uh so but he's just so inspiring, you yeah, know. He's just he's is. just I think the fact too that he backs it up, you can see his projects that he's done. So you know you're learning from someone who's uh who knows his stuff and 
uh, probably has the charisma too in the business sense to to actually to be able to scale it in that way that he did. Um, which which not everybody can can do. Um, so, so that's part of the podcast as well. It's trying to figure out how these people do this and 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 try and take wee nuggets. Uh, Take nuggets of them. So you got your formal qualifications then, and I see you've done a lot of stuff. You've written books. You've you've uh, you've taught. So once you got your formal qualifications, how how was your path then? And the and the actually thinking right, how can I make money out of this, earn a living from this, and and, and share that? Yeah, um, you know, for me, uh, it was it was a dream to figure out how to do it. And I, and my first thought would be that I would, I would do some kind of, uh, of like a, a farming business, um, based off of permaculture, uh, or that I would do design. I think that's probably pretty much everyone's, uh, everyone's path is you, you, you think, well, what are the, what are the options here? I can teach. Um, I can maybe do some classes. I can uh, put up a shingle and try to do design for people. And uh, maybe I can do some some farming stuff. And um, and so my path was really uh, to fail at all of those for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And uh, and, uh, you know, so. And I think that uh, the the path to success for a lot of people is kind of what you were saying there. You have to find people who are doing it well, um, and and then you have to replicate them. And you you try to find people who are doing things that are actually replicable to you, um, because you know there the I th- I think we we so I'm. Yeah, I have to have a positive mes- message and the kind of warning there. So I failed at things for like 10 years. <laughs> and, uh, and, but as I was doing it, I saw more and more people who were really kind of more on the down low, who were making really interesting, great livelihoods with things and, and figuring out how to do it. Um, and so, uh, so, but the things that I was trying to do, thinking, well, I'm going to have like this, you know, sort of a big famous permaculture farm, or I'm going to become uh, a designer and do that full time or do the permaculture landscaping full time. Um, there were just some barriers to making those work. Uh, economically, they're kind of hard for a lot of people on their own. Um, and uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, farming is hard anywhere for anybody in the world. <laughs> There's some real systemic reasons why that's the case. And so what I was learning from watching people who were being successful doing it is they were kind of like figuring out really interesting niches for themselves, stacking a bunch of incomes together, building really great financial resilience, like taking permaculture design and applying it to their finances and their financial livelihoods. And by doing that, they were coming up with really interesting things. So I kind of did that myself, redesigned my whole livelihood. And I came up with my first thing that I called a landscape transformation program. Uh, and uh, I also marketed it as community supported permaculture. It's like a CSA program, which is community supported agriculture. 
So in community supported agriculture, uh, you people will buy a subscription for the produce for a whole season. And this provides a farmer with a lot more financial security over because you know how much money you have base income for the year and you know how much you're going to make for the year. And then you can do extra produce sales and you can do all this other stuff too, but you've got your base income locked in if you can sell enough subscriptions. And so I took that model and applied it to everything that I wanted to do with permaculture. I recreated a whole new thing where it was a product that combined everything that I wanted to be doing. So I was growing produce. Uh, I, the package would include some produce so people could sample all these weird kinds of fruits and vegetables, perennial vegetables I was growing. It would include some consultation. It would include, um, it would include a class that's not really a permaculture class, but a permaculture-inspired transform-your-landscape class. And at each class through the season, you would get the plants and the seeds that you need right then and the steps that you need to do at that time in order to do it. It was a completely different thing. Nothing else in the market was on uh, like that locally. It took the landscaping idea, but instead of me having to do the landscaping, the clients were doing their own landscaping and I was helping them. And boom, it sold out in a couple of weeks. I had my income for the year for the first time in like 10 years. I had a secure income, adult income for the whole year planned up in two weeks time. Um, and I've done that ever since. And every time I've done it, it's sold out in about a month. It always has a waiting list. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of, I, I would follow some of these uh, marketing gurus on Twitter. And, <laughs> and uh, for me, it's sometimes hard to, uh, how do you pick a model? How do you, how do you launch these courses? How do you launch these subscription? There's that much stuff. It's 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 very difficult, but it's, it's good you, but in saying that, it took you 10 years to figure that out. <laughs> it, it did. And, uh, you know, I should say, too, it's not like overnight success in yeah. that through that time, I was community organizing. I was out there failing at doing classes. People were visiting. People, I was developing my own site. So I had a site that was really impressive to people. And people would come see it. And they'd say, this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I've never seen so much food in one place. How do you do this? Uh, so that was part of it. And as soon as I had a package that really combined all those things that would help people do it, boom, it sold out and it created a, a livelihood that's lasted since. So it's like a 10-year overnight success and you couldn't have got yes. it unless you had done that graft. So yeah. I, I think that's important because a lot of things come now, it's just like, oh, what do you know? Oh, I, I know nothing, right? Sell the course, you'll make 10 grand a month. Uh, and it's like, well, <laughs> you have to build up that knowledge and rep. And you had that, you obviously and I had the place, you had the proof that was in the pudding because you could show people, here's my place, here's what I've done. Uh, which, which I think is very important as well. Um, so when did you start? So you, you, you launched that, a... yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to jump in with a question. Uh, so, Mike, um, you, you referenced Bill Mollison and then Jeff Laurent, and uh, I, I think what you've modeled through time not only makes permaculture your own, but it actually inspires other people. But so, like in my mind, I was thinking, was there anybody that inspired? Are you not necessarily to do this one thing, which you built slowly, but was there somebody who really inspired you in, in particular? It doesn't really have to be permaculture, but kind of somebody who gives you a, a bit of, of, of an energy boost. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, uh, there so so many, too many, and uh, some of them were small scale. Um, uh, like uh, during that time when I was trying to figure things out, I worked at some community supported agriculture uh, farms, and some of them that were uh, permaculture inspired. And there was one in particular. Uh, uh, the farmer's name is Michael Walkup. I, I talk and write about him a lot. But usually, I, I don't use his name a whole lot because he seems to be a pretty private person. But he was uh, just—he was doing everything kind of right. And his—you know—he was selling. Uh, he had a great business selling native plants and growing native plants in a super easy system where basically he had. A, na a native prairie and he was just propagating plants out of that prairie so basically it was like pulling weeds sell the weeds and uh and he had a vegetable csa and uh and was doing all of those things and um and uh and he was just an amazing community organizer going over to his place and being in his farm uh all the people who were interested in like local environmental issues and local politics were always over there um and so he was just just a model of somebody who is doing all of these right great beautiful things just totally totally great permaculture the site itself uh, still looked a little bit more like conventional farm with some permaculture and sustainability flair, you know, at that time. Uh, mm -hmm. But all the social structures and everything were great. And so as I was trying to figure out my own livelihood, I kept coming back to that idea of the CSA model. Well, how can I do that and use it to do, uh, to sell the things that my site is just naturally producing? Instead of instead of having to make a farm where I'm producing for a market, how can I market what the site's just sort of like spewing out? And how can I do that? How can I help people do permaculture and do landscaping and use the CSA model? And, uh, and those things just, it, that might, as I'm reasoning through it right now, it doesn't sound super brilliant. It sounds really obvious, <laughs> but for me doing it was a complete, game changer and like i said i went from not being able to make a living to making a living in like two weeks <laughs> so what happens then you, you have your your uh you, you had you had sort of strike not gold but you get your year's errands and then what happens then you, you, you start thinking right i can share this and write right is that where the books come along then so you can sort of stack that knowledge again and um find another medium basically to, to, to get that information out there yeah yeah absolutely um and uh to me i just feel like and bill molson said this too bill molson has this quote that i'm going to butcher where he said you know our last chance is to figure out how to get especially young people uh to to be able to make a living off of regenerating soils and ecosystems and communities and the economy and young people want to do this and we need people to do this it's what we need to pay people to do uh and people would line up for it if we could do it and yet a lot of the people who try it fail to be able to find uh their their place and 
and yet there are all of these little models of people who are doing really creative things like Michael that I just mentioned and had great models. And, uh, and so, yeah, um, so this is one of the books I wrote. It's called Growing Free, which means financially resilient and economically empowered. And in it, um, uh, there's actually five authors of the book uh, who have all kind of figured out their place in the movement and are, are creating this kind of free life, life lifestyle where they're financially resilient and economically empowered enough to support the work that they want to do, right? Because that's the dream, right? And, um, and so we identified uh, like seven things that everyone that we see who's doing a really great job of it um, all had in common. And so we can being permaculturists, we came up with a fancy uh, learning tool for it. And we said that people need who want to, if you want to make it in this world and do it and have a regenerative right livelihood, you have to be as resilient as the thistle, uh, which in my neck of the woods is a, is a weed that everybody plagues everyone. So you have to be as resilient as the thistle. And so that thistle stands for um, the, the things that people are doing. They're focusing on having a transition plan. The H is thinking holistically about things and about their wealth and their resources. The, neck, the I is investing. Everybody who does a great job of this, they're finding ways to invest long-term in their financial resilience. Um, the next, the, the uh, S is for stacking. That means like stacking our products and services, it, like how... I took all of the things that I wanted to do, right? I wanted to do consultation, landscaping, sell produce, sell plants. And I stacked them all together into one product. And that one product, I could put a higher price tag on and sell them all together as a bundle. And that made, that was a huge game changer for me. So that stacking is a big thing. Um, and then the next T is teaming up. Like I was saying, you got to be a community organizer. You got to build your social network over time. Uh, and then the, the L in Thistle is being lucky. Everybody has to be lucky. And the good thing is we can actually, there's actually science now. It shows that we can design to improve our luck. And the final thing is, well, the E is the last letter. So it has to be enough. You have to know what's enough for you. Because otherwise, we can keep chasing uh, you know, different things and dreams and chasing more money, more money, instead of chasing higher quality of life, knowing what's enough for ourselves. When people get those seven things right, they seem to be able to make this kind of financial uh, resilience in their lives that supports really great um, right livelihoods. Yeah, that's that's really good. I'm trying to think now how we apply that to what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and if you like, we can we can kind of take a minute to go through each of those things too. And I, I have to give one more book recommendation. A big part of our kind of program came from this book by Vicki Robin um, and Joe Dominguez, Your Money or Your Life. And when I was teaching PDCs and meeting people, I kept finding people who had read this book. And one of my earliest mentors had read this book and recommended it. And, um, and it's a, about the financial independence movement. A lot of people call it FIRE these days, financial independence, retire early. And it's about kind of building a financial set for yourself 
where you can just retire and go spend the rest of your life on the beach. Only, you know, we're permaculture people. We, we know that it's a better life to be active in your community and your ecosystem and be engaged in meaningful work. So we don't want to fire and retire early. We just want to be free, financially resilient and economically empowered enough to do what we want to do. Uh, but still this book and these tools um, are, are great. And she's kind of an unofficial permaculture uh, matriarch too, because she was on the original transition US board. She's been involved in the slow food and slow money movements. Um, so she's she's just really great. And that book is, is also a, a great kind of uh, background in creating a life that will have the financial resilience to do um, to really grow into a regenerative right livelihood. Mm, that's that's very very inspiring, Mike. And you know, just like Cormac mentioned, as you're talking about this and you're inspiring us, we're also kind of applying it to some of the things that we're trying to do together, and also about uh, trying to see where this could fit with other community stuff. And again, I find inspiration. I don't need. I don't want to go back to what you've said, but I want to jump maybe to another question. So what's on your plate next? What, what are you being inspired right now? Do you have a specific direction that you want to move in? Um, yes, I do. So uh, a few years ago, I did have, um, uh, I um, sold my original permaculture business. Um, so when the I, of thistle is investment and so my regenerative business ended up being developing that business ended up being a really good investment um so i sold that business and now i'm starting a new one so i get to have the 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 and for anyone who's out there you can look up lily house permaculture uh, and you can see probably pictures of it uh I think it was a really inspiring, beautiful site. And, uh, and so now I'm working on a new site and new projects. And that gives me a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And uh, then continuing to work um, with this, uh, this whole free idea and the co-authors of, of, of that book on trying to help more people figure out their own regenerative right livelihoods. Cause like I said, I just, I, I feel like that's exactly what we need at this time is this to launch a, an army of people re doing regenerative work, regenerating ecosystems and their communities. So uh, I'm also heavily invested in, in that and uh, continuing to develop those materials for people. So those are the, the two things that I'm most excited about. Those are my current directions. And then, just to continue doing this, uh, this like landscape transformation or, or um, community supported permaculture business model, because it's just the coolest thing that I've ever done in my life. <laughs> like when you do this, like this business model uh, uh, has people coming over to my place all the time to, to, uh, you know, once a month for monthly events, there are like parties where we talk about plants and demo how to set up gardens and taste things and do tastings and cook together. Uh, and then people are coming all the, over all the time to like pick up their plants and seeds at different times of the year. I get to hang out, 
have tea with people in the in the garden and um it's just having that kind of a successful local scale business model where you're really in the community doing work in the community just created this amazing sense of village for myself so I'm always going to be doing that the rest of my life. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing to do. So if I could go back to Thistle, Mike, so I offered to get through each step of Thistle. Would you just be able to go through each one or do a wee bit more of that? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so we can kind of go back through and, and, uh, and uh, think just a little bit deeper on them. Um, the, the you know, kind of starting, starting over I, and the, there are a few of them that I want to spend more time on than the others, just because I, I feel like they're, they're a little less obvious. Um, so the T, the transition part is just, it's really important because a lot of people, it means that we have to have a plan from the current economy and our current life situation to where we want to go. Um, and that plan has to be kind of realistic. And a lot of times I think, a lot of us will get, uh, a lot of you out there who are listening to this uh, might have your permaculture dream and you're just like, I'm going to quit my sucky day job that I hate destroying the planet. And I'm going to start a landscaping business or something like that and do permaculture. And you quit and you try to do it. And, and um, you know, unless you're really smart and clever and have a great local community and have all these other things already set up for yourselves, it can be a really difficult path. And so people fall back into the old economy and they don't really have much to show for their, their, their efforts. So it really takes like, you know, have a plan that's realistic. I recommend people, you know, don't, don't just like stop now, have a transition plan where you're doing the community organizing, setting up your community of support, setting up all of the stuff. And then when you're ready, then then jump into it and do it. That's just my personal advice. But I've, I noticed too, that more often than not, the people who have the easiest time at this do that. They have a transition plan instead of just like trying to flip a switch and, and go regenerative overnight. Um, it, they've set themselves up for, for success. So that's, you know, the, that's the T, that's the transition. And feel free to stop me and ask any questions about any of these as we go. Yeah, no, that's uh, personally that's a good one for me because I, I work part time as an engineer. So I went part time three or four years ago. Yeah, my daughter is four now, so when she was born, I went part time. They sort of they, they, they pick up the load with that, and uh, so now I'm part time. So I, I'm trying to transition now to a to career. Um, so I haven't gone full on, but it, I I just have that uh. I've only a set time though before I have to get a full time job, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, permaculture. Uh, well, you know, and that's 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 the that's really kind of kind of the dream there too. Is it's uh, another part of transition is that the steps we take um, are each of them can help our lives. Like you've started to build your permaculture life and livelihood. And so you have the freedom where you can only do the, the day job part-time. And that's great. That's more, that's more time with your family. It's more time doing what you want to do and, and all of that. So that transition plan is just really, I think, beneficial for, for a lot of people. You know, um, so, and 
another thing is, is we, we don't exactly know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> and having a transition plan and maybe keeping one foot in the old economy for a while and one foot in the new economy until we're ready to get both feet into the new economy, uh, it just provides us with more stability in life, life you know? So the more resilience we have, the more likely we are to end up with a success. So I, I congratulate you on, on that. And sometimes, sometimes we can be down on ourselves about that though. We can be like, well, you know, I really want to be doing this full time. Should I just jump right into it? And yes, but we can also be compassionate with ourselves and say, uh, we're doing it. We are doing good permaculture. We don't have to be doing it full time to be doing meaningful work doing permaculture. Permaculture isn't what you do for your job. It's how you invest in building a better world. Yeah, that does ring true. Because, uh, at times we can be hard on ourselves and think uh, we need more sales. We need to be doing stuff. But in the meantime, it's much like yourself, until the success comes, we're still working in our own gardens. So if it takes us two years to establish yourself, well, we're two years more experienced. We've got two years more, more experience to draw on. Plus, we'll spoke to all these great people like yourself, and we'll be able to use that knowledge to help us and help others as well. Um, so at the very least, it's our sort of contribution to a community <laughs> that we can make, and then we can, uh, as things change, then we can adjust. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so kind of moving on to the, the H, uh, thinking holistically about our about our lives. It, this can mean a lot of different things because holistic thinking is kind of thinking about everything. <laughs> so on one, one hand, it implores us to think about what we really want out of our lives, you know, and to make sure that our regenerative business plans are moving us towards what we really want out of our lives. Um, and I could give an example about that. I know I've seen a lot of people who get into permaculture and they want to find a livelihood and then they go into something like uh, like um, uh, a full-time market garden uh, job. And what they end up finding is that they got into permaculture because they want to connect with their ecosystem. They want to connect with nature. They want to connect with better food. Uh, and then to in order to compete, in the market gardening game, they start like using more plastic on their produce. Maybe they start spraying, they're tilling more, uh, they're tilling over more land in order to have uh, a bigger garden, which makes them busier. They find that instead of having this freedom in their life where they're uh, connecting with nature and community, they're spending more time doing marketing and fighting with nature and all this. So it's really like, is that where we wanna be? Do we want to be doing this or can we figure out a way to create a healthy ecosystem and beautiful, abundant place to be and then make a living off of the abundance that flows naturally from that system? And but there we go. That's a transition plan, because setting up that system takes more time than setting up a market garden. You can this year till your property under and start a market garden. Setting up a holistic support system that's going to generate tons of uh, uh, abundance that you can make a living off of, that's going to take more time, right? But where do you really want to be 
and what do you really want out of this life? And so thinking about those things in a serious way can, can really help us figuring out the plan and where we want to go. Is what we're doing right now really taking us to our dream life or is it taking us someplace that we don't want? And so thinking holistically that way can be really important. And, uh, and I can add another element of holistic thinking is to, to consider multiple, that we're all wealthier than we think we are. Mm -hmm. In our system, our system tells us if you have a problem, the only way to solve your problem is go get a job to get more money and use the money to solve the problem. <laughs> and, and it steals all the creativity away from us. Look, we're the beings that like, you know, built the pyramids and uh you know created computers we're amazingly creative brilliant beings us humans we have so much more that we can offer than getting a job uh to 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 get cash to solve our problems and so thinking about uh, our multiple forms of capital that we have access to and making a plan like sitting down and uh and making a plan to use those like we have our intellectual capital the things that we know. We have our natural capital, our plant collections, and our, uh, our the produce that we're growing. We have our social capital, right? We have all those connections that we've made. We have our political capital. If we can start to build good social capital, we can start to change minds and we develop political capital in our communities. All of these things we can use to actually meet needs. But the thing, the, and the thing about all this is you actually have to do it. <laughs> you can't just sit around and say, oh, wow, I'm wealthier than I thought when I, when I think about it. You know, how are you going to tap those things? How can you tap all of your forms of holistic capital to meet needs so that you need less financial capital to have the financial stability that you need? You need less money. And so that's another big thing. And the people who... Um, are really successful in all this stuff, man, they are wealthy in terms of these other forms of capital. That's how they make it work. You know, they're wealthy in their social capital. They're wealthy in political capital. Uh, they're wealthy in their uh, uh, cultural capital and all these other things, and they use it. And then that brings mm -hmm. us to <laughs> investing. Do you want to say something there, Colleen? Uh, sort of just to mirror Mike in what he's saying about capital, uh, the thing that I was tracking while I was starting out this site that I was doing for actually for friends uh, who let me use their property. And, and just like you mentioned, I <laughs> to me it came at a moment of crisis where with the lockdowns, uh, we weren't able to like to use uh, let's say, um, uh, established tools. So we started this project and I was building it and I always thought, okay, I need a way to measure what we're doing because we're going to find uh, different forms of failure all throughout. And mine was carbon. How much carbon are we capable of putting back into the system, into the ground? Even if we're failing maybe at certain crops, and is that carbon stable? 
I know it's just a technical thing, but to me, that's what I was thinking of. And I, I didn't invent it myself. I also, t I think I took it from, from Mollison, from, uh, from Jeff Lawton. Um, and just this really, um, I think what you're describing right now is having this multiplicity of, of, uh, of points of view, like being invested, fully invested in it, but also thinking, okay, there's so many things that fit in here again it just resonated with with the holistic theme and i wanted to bring it back and just mention the way you're kind of inspiring me while we're talking yeah and you're inspiring me too uh we could start talking about carbon capital you're right because carbon mm. is an important form of capital that we usually don't even recognize and uh if you want to do any of this stuff and your soil is wealthy in carbon then you have a great resource. So that, that then takes us to investing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and absolutely, we can invest in our soil carbon, right? We can invest in soil. And uh, you know, to a lot of people uh, who are part of the broader ecological movement, even the words, these words, capital, investment, they can sound kind of like bad because we we see that the current economy is destroying the planet. So we kind of think anything that has to do with the economy is bad. But so we have to reclaim these words. Every being in every ecosystem is an investor. Every being through its actions and its activities. And Molson says everything gardens. Well, we can say everything invests. Everything invest in growing the health of an eco its ecosystem and so that it becomes wealthier over time and its progeny become wealthier and more resilient over time you know when a bird lands on a tree and and uh, eats some berries and then poops them it's investing in creating more bird food in the future when that seed germinates and richer soil right so birds invest and worms invest everything invests and if we're smart then we should be thinking this way too. As, as humans who want to be good, natural humans, how are we investing in making our ecosystems wealthier and our communities wealthier so that they support us better? And if, if, uh, if all of my friends are better off and have more money, then that's good because they'll buy more produce from me. <laughs> and so I want them to be wealthier too. And uh, I want you guys to be wealthier because if you have really great regenerative enterprises, more people are going to follow that and model those. And that's going to build a better world for me to live in. So all of these are things that we can think about investing in. And so investing itself is not bad. In fact, it's essential. Uh, I, I, I've come to believe uh, when we talk about any of these people who've really made it and done well for themselves, you know, in the United States, that might be Mark Shepard, uh, Jeff Lawton, obviously, uh, in the U.S., Joel Salatin. And all of these people have had great investments that they've made. And so if we want to emulate them, we need to be having that kind of plan, too. A lot of us don't think that way. A lot of us think I need just, we only think of cash flow. How am I going to make cash this season from my landscaping business? How am I going to make cash from selling plants or, or selling produce? And that's where we stop. We're not thinking about long-term investments. Oh, that, that's 
I do tend to agree with you on the <clears throat> these terms. We have to reclaim them. Uh, I'm thinking of starting a website saying called this is not permaculture. <laughs> and just listing all the things I've been told is not permaculture when they're just tools. And if 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 your system is uh, holistic and working, well then that's permaculture. The terms and the tools are pretty much irrelevant. Uh but I yeah. I, I, I keep getting told this. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> what one hundred percent. We can end up with dogmas about things. Like no-till is a great tool it's a great tool it preserves soil carbon it preserves soil biodiversity it can reduce your weeds if depending on how you're doing it's a great tool but another big inspiration for me is like john jevons and grow biointensive and they dig the soil and they do things that maintain and grow soil carbon and soil biodiversity over time they're getting to the exact same place they're doing great permaculture even if they're digging the soil. <laughs> we don't need the dogmas. We need results. And especially if we're to grow enterprises and make, uh, be able to uh, have people make a career out of this and do well, I think the dogma definitely has to go. Uh, that, comes, that comes back to that T in transition, the T in thistle transition. Another thing that it reminds us is we as individuals have to have a transition plan. But we as a movement and as a world have to have a transition plan too. We're not going to we're not going to fix industrial agriculture overnight. Though we have to be compassionate with ourselves that we have steps to get where we need to be and where we're going and focus on the results and being practical, not being dogmatic. I, I agree so much with that. I think it needs to be said over and over and over again. So, you know, put up that website and I'll promote it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll need much promotion <laughs> too well itself. I'm going to go register it now, straight after this. <laughs> it'll be gone. Uh, it'll be registered link, in, links in the description. <laughs> uh, uh, so stacking. Stacking. Yeah, uh, and this, this is another one where we get some real magic. Like I said, my um, you know, and this is just pure permaculture, right? In permaculture, what is some of the Molson principles are about making each major element do multiple jobs and having lots of different resilience. We need that in our livelihoods and our business models too. And so just thinking about this too, before I applied permaculture design to my financial system and my financial life, my thinking was very unpermaculture. I was thinking, I need to A, be a farmer, B, be a landscaper, C, be a teacher, D, be a consultant. I need to choose one of those and primarily do one of those, right? And instead, what I do now is, yes, all of those <laughs> in one package, in one stack together in one product. And so we can, when we talk about stacking, we can think about them different ways. We can stack the products like I did. I stacked a bunch of products into one super product that was very attractive to people. Uh, we can also think about stacking our, um, our skills and our interests. You know what? I didn't, uh, I didn't want to just, um, you know, grow produce. I love gardening and I love just growing produce. But I also love the social aspects and the teaching and doing these things. 
I created a product and a livelihood and a business model that stacked together my talents and my skills. And this is just the way I've done it. But looking at all these different people who've been really successful at things, they're all doing exactly that. They are not creating cookie cutter businesses. And this is just what we think of is the first thing that our minds gravitate to. We see somebody has like a profitable guard, a farming workshop or something. So we're like, oh, I'm going to do profitable farming. But Jeff Lawton does Jeff Lawton. Jeff's business model is being Jeff Lawton. <laughs> That's brilliant. And so, and we all have that, you know, I have, uh, I have a friend now who was interested in permaculture and she was a dancer and she was like, how do I transition from my full-time job doing dance, which I love to doing permaculture, because I think it's more uh, useful for the planet. She, you know, she really felt that. And it was like, no dance permaculture do your per you have an amazing community organizing business with your dance thing build your lifestyle and your livelihood and your permaculture business off of that build dance into your permaculture site give us the world's first permaculture garden site that supports dancing right i know somebody else who wanted who's passionate he started doing permaculture and started to do a farm and he got kind of burnt out about it because the economics weren't working. And he found his his hobby, his passion on the other side kept going, which was rock climbing. Don't choose between rock climbing and permaculture. Build an awesome rock climbing uh, facility in your permaculture garden and have the world's first permaculture rock climbing cool place that's an amazing place to be. And that would be a model for a whole lot of other people who are inter interested in fitness and rock climbing. Show them how to do that. Make your business building that because there might only be like, you know, a thousand people in the world who want that, but those thousand people want that and you can make a life off of that. Stack your skills and your interests together. You don't have to choose. You can do, you can do, you'll be better off doing you. That's kind of the lesson of that. So this whole idea of thinking about stacking is just creatively thinking about what we have to offer and putting them together in our business and our products. And it can be really transformative. Yeah, the, the example I always use is if you're a web developer, develop websites for permaculture people. <laughs> and you develop your websites during the week, you work in your permaculture garden and you speak the language and become that person to go to. Yeah, 100%. You know, the regenerative economy needs all of those things. We don't have to just, and isn't it great if you can be a web developer and, uh, and spend, you know, a large part of your life hanging out in the garden and with people. Isn't that kind of the dream? Like to have your bread work, the things that you have to do. Uh, and and maybe you're lucky like me and you get spent all the time in the garden eventually. But, <laughs> um, but you know, we can do both. And that's just how to build a beautiful life, I think. Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, next, we have teaming up. It's something we at Vine have done. We're five designers. Australia, Zimbabwe, France, UK, and America. So five of us have teamed up. <laughs> so uh, do you want to tell more, us more about that? Uh. Yeah, yeah. And again, nobody, and 
I like to think about this broader, the teaming up thing. Uh, one of the best tools we have for it is uh, called the community organizing paradigm. I'll talk about that in a second to give it a better, some better ideas about what community organizing means to me. Um, and to, so everybody can kind of take those tools. Um, but nobody, none of these people have been successful that we want to emulate have done it without being amazing community organizers. And if you look at like, um, one of the most uh, successful people in the United States would be Joel Salatin. And one of the things about his business is that he sells produce for like 40 times over the market rate in some cases, like 10 to 40 times over the market rate. People don't buy that produce because it's 10 or 40 times more nutritious than anybody else's produce. They buy it because he connects people to ideas he connects uh, uh, people and inspires people, and he's a community organizer. And the, it is because of the big community network that he's built for himself that he is able to charge that, and people will pay for it because he's built that in that community value. Jeff Lawton again, I mean, Jeff Lawton, you could practically, he's basically a full-time community organizer. He, he has built the permaculture community, grassroots going around the world. Uh, it's what he's done. It's what Bill Molson did. And so, uh, and pretty much anybody that I've seen who even has just a successful farm, they, uh, people have like CSA or a successful local farm, they almost always have a big network of people who love them and want to support them and have mutual support with them. And so uh, building that, investing in that is one of the most important parts of our job as, as creating regenerative enterprises. And this again, you have to do it. <laughs> you, it's not enough to just like say, uh, to say like, oh, do I have that or not? Uh, you can do things to build it. What's your action plan? for building a sense of village for yourself, for building community. You can actually go out and do things to build a support network for yourself. It's powerful. And nobody, nobody is successful at any of this stuff without doing that. Yeah, I, I, I do def, definitely agree with that. It's, it's a lot easier working with other people as well. And uh, it sort of keep, keeps everybody going. Uh, Lucky, <laughs> look at the Irish. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh -huh. it, it's it's really funny because a lot of times uh, when I start talking about luck, people think that it's like pseudoscience or woo. They're like, how, how, you know, luck doesn't exist. A lot of people say only, you know, luck doesn't exist. Uh, I make my life, things like this. And the truth is none of those people, None of the paragons that we think about, or even people who are just in your community who have an awesome little market garden business or whatever they're doing, um, none of those people have gotten to where they are without luck. The thing is, we can, there's now a whole research literature that shows we can design our lives to become luckier or not. Uh, and like, so just one thing that I talk about a lot with luck is called the opportunity uh, cost, an opportunity principle. And uh, this is a, a concept in economics. And the concept in economics was really developed by looking at farmers, was one of the, the things that people looked at. So 
when you farm, for example, uh, if you have a farm business that require, you know, it, you, uh, during the time of the year when it's planting time, you have to be there. You have to be doing it at that time. During most of the growing season, somebody has to be there doing it. If you have livestock and you have animals, somebody has to be there to feed the animals. So that can come with a high opportunity cost, meaning uh, that if somebody calls you up and says, hey, Mike, uh, can you come to France to do this permaculture program uh, in two weeks? We just got this grant for some money and we'd love to pay you to come there. If I have to say, ah, no, I can't, I can't leave. I've got to watch the farm. That cost me that, that opportunity to go and do that thing. So as we develop our, our permaculture livelihoods, part of resilience is making sure that we're, we have some space in our lives. Like some people want to muscle through to success, right? Instead of doing the permaculture thing, which is protracted thought and observation over protracted labor, we get to a point where we're like, I'm just gonna muscle through to success. I'm gonna work 90 hours a week if I have to for five years. And that kind of commitment in a way, it's counterintuitive. It comes with a high opportunity cost and it keeps us from following opportunities that might arise that may lead us to real success. So designing our lives with more space in them and without so such high opportunity costs is one way we can design to be lucky. It's funny, a lot of the people who ended up being really successful with their farming businesses, became successful when they took a year off from farming because in that year when they took the time off they had the opportunity to figure different things out and find like and find out find other opportunities so making sure that we don't overburden ourselves with our time and all that uh is, is super important that's just one way we can design to be lucky um and just to give another couple um if you're oper if you're if you uh, are optimistic, and people who think they're lucky actually end up tending to be lucky for some interesting reasons. <laughs> one of the reasons why is they're looking for opportunities. If you're the kind of person who's like, "Yeah, I'm lucky. I I get lucky. Great things happen to me," then you're always in the mindset of looking for the next great thing that's going to happen to you. If you're the kind of person who's like, I never get lucky, I'm the most unlucky person, then you're only focused on the grind. Then you think good things are not going to come to you unless you muscle through for them. You put on the blinders, you close yourself off to creativity and to opportunity, and you don't get lucky. So these are just a few things, and we can actually work on and develop becoming luckier. <laughs> Yeah, Mike, you, you got me thinking about that um, Bill Mollison story with the whale. I think he was around five and he used that anecdote and what happened with that event when he termed uh, opportunistic uh, resources. And the, I just want to reference quickly one that I picked up from the farmer's market uh, and I think I, I, I did it like I, I got it about uh, less than a year ago. So I went to this market and I talked to somebody who's who's uh, selling bread and I asked her, I, I can see that she is kind of authentic and in 
about two minutes, she explained to me how they grew, how they 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 made their their bread. They sowed seven varieties of wheat every year, knowing that whatever circumstances will be, either dry or uh, too much heat or whatever, at least two of them will work. So that's kind of you're protecting, pro, uh, protracting some luck into your, your system, but you're preparing from it. So that's experience that you're using to choose, to choose what you do. So whatever happened, they'd get, uh, they'd get their wheat. And what they sold was a mix. They wouldn't mind that the bread, they couldn't tell you what kind of uh, wheat it was because they always had something to get to the market with. And it was so much built resilience. So I think that that's the kind of, that's the wheels that were going in, in my mind and thinking of other people who have come in with different, with uh, similar inputs, but uh, told in a different way. So I think, I really think there's a, not a method, but there's an approach. And I love the way you're, you're, you're presenting this, that sometimes we have to be opportunistic, just like Bill Mollison was. And he shows us, you know, just how to observe nature observe different events even non-life events and i think that's really beautiful that we we get to implement this kind of observations into permaculture and to be honest i think you're kind of building into this heritage of, of permaculture and other people are as well and this is what we're also trying to do with this podcast like trying to connect with people who are using permaculture not necessarily to their advantage but you know just what makes them uh, happy and glad to be doing it and doing it with a smile and again they're also bringing something to the market and I, I believe we are bringing something to the market even if it's just information right now and we, we're telling anecdotes but I think they're so important and this is one thing that I I, I got from from Bill Mollison but just listening to his stories I, I, I started permaculture long after he not long but still after he was dead and I think you bring this quality of of knowledge applied to certain specific situations, but onto which you didn't uh, insist on imposing your own will and just letting things come to you. And to me, I mean, this is my five cents to, to what you're saying to the story that you're telling. I I think also the carbon credit I have to specifically be carbon credit, but this body of work that you've done kind of allowed you to have that knowledge, have that wisdom. And sometimes like a really simple approach, as you mentioned, you just get an offer uh, to go somewhere and do something and build, and then you're able to, to, to take advantage of it because you've built in something into your system. And I, I, I really think it's very, very valuable. Yeah, all all of these things like stack together to create this uh, a luckier uh, and opportunity opportunity rich life. Like like you were saying, I love that example with the bread and a great permaculture system is really like that. And um, you you know, in my gardens, there are usually like 300 edible species, 200, 300 edible species of plants. And uh, in no matter what happens in season, if there's a drought, if there's if something is going to make it, something is going to, to come online. 
And it's funny, a lot of times we don't necessarily know what the most valuable products are going to be and what the most valuable plants are going to be. And until we start getting them and using them and it, growing the knowledge of using them, like you were saying, and we find there are these opportunities, like having people come over to, uh, to my garden for the landscape transformation program, we were always trying and eating all these different plants. And uh, there's a native plant, anise hyssop in the United States. Um, and uh, it makes a really nice licorice kind of flavored tea. And then uh, I started uh, or carbonizing it so it would be sparkling and people loved that boom i had another product and uh, and actually kind of spun that off to someone else at the farmer's market near me who started uh, serving that carbonated you know basically anises of soda at their farmer's market i had no idea that, that would be a huge thing for me you don't know until you you are in and creating an opportunity rich environment to me that's what real great permaculture is about is creating this opportunity rich environment and that's for us personally i think it's us for the whole world like you were saying as we work together having this conversation who we're creating more opportunities uh, 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 somebody else might hear this and hear this discussion and figure out something some great business plan that ends up being really successful for them it grows our whole movement together. So it's, and that benefits us. You know, we could be, that's opportunistic for us too, because every one of us who becomes more successful doing this sort of thing, it, it, it helps us. You made me think of one thing that I picked up. I, I don't think it was in the Jeff Lauren course, but in another one that he did, he referenced, he said, this will become successful, not necessarily mainstream, as in permaculture and permaculture-like practices, because we don't have to call it permaculture. We don't have to always put a stamp on it, it as if it's something that you can buy. It's a brand. But he mentioned, like, the moment we will collectively build enough material and enough information and enough education that we could theoretically have permaculture TV, I think that creates the opportunity, that creates the placenta for maybe other things, other people uh, to bring technology, to bring knowledge, to bring skills. And I think a lot of things, you referenced so many things, the dancer, uh, the rock climber, and I think all these talents. And I think right now, kind of, I'm also talking about what we're kind of doing. We're also selling ourselves our services as as human beings as just regular folks and we're sharing our our failures our questions our whatever it is and we are building a brand if we have to reappropriate that term like from marketing but i think this is the way forward because we can't well we we can rely on other networks as well I, i'm not opposed to it but i think together with our collective knowledge and these intentions that we're putting into our, our work, whatever it is, I think collectively we're, we're coming together and we're bringing something new. It could be innovation, maybe somebody like, I think in two years, one year, two years, a lot of people will be doing the same thing as us, much better. But, you know, it kind of brings us to what you're just saying that it brings opportunities for us as well because we, we're taking this path. And again, I, I like it and I, I love 
you know, figuring out how to integrate stuff from my past, from my past, and also these these things. You know, they they talked about this in, in the course, how to impact community. I'm not talking about just I'm not talking just about Jeff Lawton, but I think a lot of permaculture educators, and we'd probably go on and on and, and mention other people. And I think yourself, uh, I don't know if you teach, um, maybe you, you mentioned it. If you do teach, I think it would be a great opportunity for you to share where people can find you. And uh, yeah, just spread the word and build into whatever comes next. <laughs> you know, whatever comes of this, I think we're, we're, we're lucky enough to be able to contribute. And again, Please share your your. Sorry, uh, Kieran, I think you dropped the gun a bit there. You dropped the gun. We've one left. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> well, then I, no, guess we... We've, then I guess we've done enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I will say just the thing about enough. It's uh, because uh, one of one of my co-authors -author, here, uh, Eric, um, uh, Eric Brown. Uh, he was one of my students in one of my permaculture design courses. So sometimes I teach PDCs, permaculture design courses. And yes, you can find me at transformativeadventures.org, transformativeadventures.org. You can find out when I have classes on that. I'm very active on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook group is called Permaculture in Action transformative adventures and uh it's a great group and um you'll you can find out more about what i'm teaching and when um so anyone who wants to find out about me can find those and uh one of my co-authors here eric he um found like he wanted to make the change and he was stuck felt stuck in his life you know and he was focused on, he had a number that he thought he had to get to before he could retire so that he could finally live his permaculture dream. That's where he was thinking. And he hated where he was and what he was doing. And it wasn't until going through our program and sitting down and looking and figuring out what did he actually need? What was really enough for him to live a beautiful, fulfilling life? And to really do that internal work and to do the frank, the math to actually figure out what, what could he really live off of if he was doing his permaculture dream. And he figured out he could do it now. You know, if he just looked for the right opportunities and he was able to make a certain amount doing his permaculture dream stuff, then he could do it. So he retired and he did it, you know, and he's been doing it now for a few years. And so he encountered that in a per permaculture course and it changed his life. It allowed him to retire early and do permaculture. And to him, he said it was this, this was the most important concept was enough because it free, once we know it's enough for ourselves, it frees us up to do what we really want to do. And, um, and so, you know, that's, that's, there's real magic in just knowing what is enough for ourselves and our families and that's great I guess that's that, that, that's that, that, that is enough sorry sorry we've kept you so long today <laughs> but uh you've provided us with so much value thank you very much and mm. we really appreciate going through each one of them and i think particularly for our audience that'll, that'll be a big help for them and if you had well we'll put the link in the description if you had over to mike's website to find more about that as well. And you have a course or is it the book on that? 
Uh, yep, there there's a, a a course that we do sometimes, and there is uh, and there is the book. So um, so you can look for both of those. And uh, for anyone who's interested, I also do consulting on this stuff too, and help people develop businesses um, and uh, using these tools. And kind of one last time, I'm going to mention that that like the Facebook group is called Permaculture in Action for a Reason, because all this stuff uh, is great to talk about, but it only really makes a difference if you do it, if you take action. And that's really the whole point of Thistle is it's seven things that you can plan actions around. And if you do them and you, you do those steps and you figure out what you're investing in and you do it, and you figure out how to build community. And you actually build that community, do things, build that community support network. You do these things, you'll build that financially resilient life that you need so that you can follow your permaculture dreams. Mike, again, thank you very much. Uh, thanks very much, Colleen, Colleen as well. And uh, it's been great <clears throat> having you. Uh, to forget our, our listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, we have a designer's kit for sale as well if you want help with a busy graduate from your PDC and you want to become a professional designer. It covers uh, basically client communications and I help you with gills. And then also we have the PDC to professional course coming soon, uh, which basically after you finish your PDC uh, training, how do you be a designer? So you can find more of that in the description. But <laughs> thanks very much, Mike. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. <laughs>